What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to a podcast about New York sports. Sam and Matt back at it. First episode together in 2024. And we have so much to get through. Uh, Two meaningless wins, to say the least, uh, for the local football teams. Jets on top 17 to three in this very, very snowy and ugly game. And the Giants 27-10 spoil the Eagles end of the season a little bit. We'll talk about both of those games, where those teams uh, find themselves heading into the offseason as their seasons have ended. Um, we'll talk, obviously, about the playoff matchups in week one or week round one of the playoffs. Get into a little bit of Knicks, Nets, uh, and then talk some baseball. So uh, definitely a lot to get to. Matt, uh, happy 2024 since uh, you took you took the first show off. But how are we doing today? Yeah, doing all right. Happy 2024 to you and everyone listening. Uh, yeah, Jets and Giants both win. What's that about? That, that what kind of fairyland is this? That's going to be in uh, history textbooks. Yeah, and, and let's let's start there because again, we I think that there's much bigger football to get to, but I think that there's definitely some. It's an interesting place for both teams to be in. Let's start with the Jets. Uh, they finally get the uh, get out of the 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 dark hole that is the Patriots losing streak. 17-3 in a snow game. And look, we, we're not going to get into the X's and O's of this game. It was an ugly, uh, you know, run heavy, just kind of very, I mean, it was a cool game to watch. Again, meaningless, really both teams, but uh, could could have been Belichick's last game. Uh, very well likely will be Belichick's last game as the Patriots head coach. Yeah. But I, and I don't want to toot our horns, but I think it's very ironic that when you give the ball to Brees Hall, you know, and just let him run wild like they did 37 times. Again, not asking them to do that every week, but I think it's very funny that even in the snowiest and worst conditions and didn't matter who your quarterback was, if you just let your playmaker make plays, it, it, the good things will happen. And that's what happened yesterday. So Brees Hall, 37 for 178 and a touchdown. Uh, obviously, the weather kind of dictated the game, but I like to see that out of the Jets. Yeah, did you see the Jets were trying to get him over a thousand yards, and they just added incorrectly? I guess. Yeah, I saw that. I mean, like that is—it's a little ridiculous. Obviously. Yeah, it's no big just, deal. It's just—it's just one of those things. Like, yeah, of course the Jets did that. I, I would—I would be stunned. What was he? he? Was three yards off ultimately, or something like that? Something like that. Under ten. Yeah, it, it was very close. But let me put it this way: if there was an incentive in his contract to rush for a thousand yards, they're—they're going to pay him. Like. There, yeah. I think that, and if they don't, we can we'll be on here talking about how just actually inept the organization really is if they don't. But uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, I thought I thought this was there's two schools of thought. Obviously, there's the the idea behind the draft, which we'll get into kind of like a little bit of a just a breeze over the, the how the draft order is set right now. But for the Jets, uh, there's the school of thought that, you know, maybe you should have lost that game to better your draft position and then worse in the Patriots. But uh, I think that it's as important as it might be to beat the Patriots and as much of a shell of the actual Patriots that they are, I think to end the season like that amidst everything that went on, you, you kind of have to feel a little good about that win in some part of any Jet fan. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. And to break down what the, you know, the, the, the dark hole of the Patriots, what that losing streak was, was 2015. So you haven't beaten them since 2015, and it's been 15 straight games, and you finally take care of business. And I, I sat down, I watched the whole game. It wasn't a great football game, but I didn't sit there and root against the Jets. And, you know, I kind of started thinking about, well, why? You know, because usually, you know, I am that guy. I am the sort of, well, if this game means nothing, you know, do I really think this is going to roll over into next season sort of thing? But I think the reason I agree with you, honestly, to my core, that, you know, maybe it is nice to finally just put the Patriots away, you know, get Belichick out of here because it does look like that, you know, he is done in New England. I think the reason I agree with you is just because, you know, the Jets have the sixth pick or the 10th pick. Who cares? Do we expect them to to hit? You know, I, I feel like it's a, it's like a subconscious thing where I have the game on. I want them to win now. I've suffered enough this season I'm not really worried about how they're going to, you know, fumble this year's draft. Like they have, you know, several previous years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're right. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the draft thinking of it where, and the, the Jets sit at the 10th pick as of right now, but you know, not for nothing. It, Rogers is going to be back. We'll talk about some of his comments in a little bit, but Rogers is going to be back. It doesn't look like they're going to be in the market for a quarterback. I'm going to assume the first, you know, f at least, 
four quarterbacks will go ahead of the Jets. So if they're not in the market for a quarterback anyway, you just get the quarterbacks out of the way above them. And then uh, think about all the rest of the talent that's in the draft. You're then sitting at a top, you know, six, top five pick of the best player available. So right. I don't think and, it's the with, end of the world. Like you just said, with the amount of quarterbacks that are going to go early, really, if the Jets landed at six, I, I think they're probably just looking to trade back at that point. I really don't think they missed out on much. Yeah, ex- exactly. And, and again, it's not the one pick. You know what I mean? We're not talking about a haul here. Yeah. And look, I'll be honest. I don't think even at even at 10, I don't think the Jets would turn down offers to go to trade back because I think that, you know, let's just say, you know, a quarterback starts to fall or something like that. If if the Jets are smart, they'll I, I'm a believer in this in in just draft strategy as a whole. I think your phone should always be open for the draft because you never know what team is going to panic. And I and you never know what what's going to happen in the draft. And it, it to say it's a crapshoot, I, I get that's a very uh, kind of worn out phrase, but it it really is. And I think that you know having having the tenth pick, you can you're you're find yourself in a luxury of like you said, you're you're not in pressed to find your you know your quarterback for the next decade. You're not pressed to trade up. You can kind of sit back, evaluate the talent comfortably, and also listen to offers if a team panics and wants to move up. So. I think the Jets are in a good spot. If they won the game, they would have moved – or if they lost the game, they would have probably moved down to the, the eighth pick. So losing that game was just – or winning or losing that game against the Patriots was really just a matter of, uh, you know, again, keeping everything else the same. It was really just a matter of one or two picks. And, uh, it, it, again, there's going to be so much movement in this draft, I think. I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to move up that – uh, are probably that we might not be expecting. There's a lot of teams that might need quarterbacks. We'll get into more of that as the, the draft comes around. But yeah, I, I think I think if you're a Jet fan, with everything considered, seven and ten after Rodgers gets hurt after four plays, it, it stinks the way it happened, and uh, unfortunate that the they never signed a backup quarterback. And watching Joe Flacco and what he's done with a, a renaissance with the Browns, and over and over what we've seen backup quarterbacks come in and do. It sucks to watch that, but all things considered, I think the Jets are, are in a good spot right now. Yeah, if you you know if, if you came to this podcast looking to be upset with where the Jets ended up, any of that, but you know we're not gonna we're not gonna fuel that. Uh, I, I don't think it really matters. But when you do look at this season overall, I, I know it's it looks pretty tough to try and pull out some positives. But before we go over the Rogers comments, the Salah comments, how we think this thing you know sort of pans out. What positives can we can we get into here? Because I would say Gibson would be one. I mean, Brees Hall coming back and being, you know, really himself to a T. Uh, I think that's a major positive. What other positives do you think you took out of this season as we sort of start to move into the next one? Well, a couple of things. And obviously the Jets, among all other teams, really have injuries to deal with and whatnot. And and it's it's always a positive to see like you said, like the Garrett Wilsons, like the, you know, pretty much the entire, almost the entire defense being healthy. Uh, it's it's a positive to just finish the season healthy and that you can kind of, especially with the defense, I, I'm kind of leaning this, but I think that if you're able to, uh, not having even looked at many contracts or anything, but assuming a large chunk of the defense can come back and play together, I think there's definitely something to ending the season healthy having a full training camp all together and a full, you know, being able to add around the the edges and whatnot and add some pieces here and there. Uh, I think there's something to b- kind of running it back with a very successful group, all things considered in the defense. So that's definitely a positive Two, you end the season with Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson fully healthy. Um, and I think that that's, those are your two weapons and those are going to be your two cornerstones going forward. Uh, and then, so that's going to be that's obviously a a plus. Rodgers has already spoken them up in some of his kind of postseason comments, but I, other than that, I think just the, the spot in general is is just something to be positive about. Yeah, I think so too. But I just feel like with everything we saw, it is hard for me to reach the level of excitement that I did uh, this past offseason because there does have to be a lot of changes. And you know, you just mentioned Aaron Rodgers' comments. What was it exactly? He he wanted to flush. What was it? You pretty much get all the bad juju out. Get get anything negative out of the building, pretty much. Was it flush all the bullshit? Is that what it was? Something along those lines, yeah. Right. So what does that mean? Are, are we talking about people? Are we talking about coaches? Are we talking about 
coaching? What do we think that means from Aaron Rodgers? Because I kind of took that comment and I was like, okay, got it. Thanks. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's like I don't necessarily think it's any sort of like people because let's think about, you know, who's saying this. Right. Aaron Rodgers comes in and he brings in mostly everybody. Right. And, you know, the defense was great. It was just unfortunate what happened to them. They were on the field way too much this season. So I, I think I don't think it would be kind of speaking about anyone there. Right. Anyone on the defensive side of the ball. So can to me, you can eliminate all of that. He brought in the offensive coordinator and Hackett. So unless he's just going back on his word and Hackett's done, you know, we just don't even know it yet. It can't be Hackett. He's already spoken up the two cornerstones in Brees and Garrett Wilson. Can't be them. I mean, is it, could it be Sala? Like, I I really don't know. Yeah. Or, or is it just things that he saw take place on the field, sort of mistakes and things like that? And, Maybe Rodgers doesn't even realize it, but that sort of is him calling out Robert Sala, in my opinion. But I guess at the end of the day, we do know that they're all coming back. That's kind of the news that we've gotten is that everyone's going to be back as a unit and they're going to run this thing back. So the reason I wanted to get into that is I, I just wanted to know how you're feeling if they do, you know, quote unquote, run this back. You know, albeit, you know, drafts a couple offensive linemen, you maybe make a big splash for a wide receiver. Uh, you know, I, I get all that, but. I think that's where I am with the Jets, where I'm just having trouble now, even with Aaron Rodgers, with the young, talented core. After this season, I do find myself a little bit, you know, hesitant to buy back in. Yeah, so, I, again, it all is going to lie on, on the, the health and durability of Aaron Rodgers. And I think that w one thing you can definitely look at is, like kind of like I said about Brees and Garrett Wilson, Rodgers is, all things considered, by the time that people are going to start, you know, training and really start looking towards like, you know, training camp and whatnot, Rodgers will be relatively healthy. So you're going to get another full offseason of Rodgers healthy and kind of, uh, you know, running the ship, for lack of a better term. Hopefully you'll, I think it's no secret to any Jet fan that this offensive line, no, regardless of who the quarterback is next year, needs to be upgraded. And I think that the, that is their probably priority 1A and priority 1B. And then, like you said, I think just adding around the edges, you know, you you can shoot for the stars and think Devontae Adams, or you can think lesser and think, you know, just, just other pieces that Rodgers can, can kind of utilize. And we see across the league where, you know, we see these, I don't want to say, uh, you know, lesser signings or lesser trades, but you bring in a guy here and you have him play with Rodgers and, Maybe it untaps some potential. Uh, who knows? You know, we, we see guys look at Puka Nakua. He was he, he might win the offensive rookie of the year this year. And he no one knew who he was in the beginning of the season. You just never know. But I think that if you get full season or full off season of Rogers, full off season of Wilson, full off season of Brees Hall and you add around the edges. I don't want to say I'm, I will be as hyped as I was this season. I'll obviously be more skeptical, but you can talk me into a, a very competitive very competitive team next year if you can get some get some nice pieces around the edges yeah yeah uh, i did want to give out our apanis jet of the year award uh that's going to go to tim boyle uh because obviously you know we we had just outstanding plays like the fail mary um he really left it all out there i think so he is the apanis player of the year on the jet side so, and for anyone curious uh the runner-up to that award uh, Alan Lazard and third place to that Randall Cobb. Yeah. Yeah. But so, the real one, we, we all know who the legitimate Jets player of the year is. And who was that? Thomas Morstead. Yes, it is. And it has to be. Yeah. 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 So by just by purely by default. So we'll, we'll, we'll obviously be all over any sort of Jets news and whatnot. Uh, Robert Sala is doing a bunch of media stuff today. So I'm sure there'll be, there'll be bits and pieces that come out there that we can, you know, overanalyze going into the off season I guess, uh, you know, I don't really have so much more to say about the Jets per se, but I think that if you're Robert Sala, you kind of got an extra life with Aaron Rodgers getting hurt. And if, if, if anything blows up next year, I don't care what the roster looks like. I don't care who gets hurt. I think it, he will feel a hot seat next year if things do yeah. not uh, go the I right think, way. Yes. As soon as this next season kicks off, I think it's going to be just short leashes all around. And I think it's going to start to be like 
you're on Rogers. I get it. I, I really don't care who who you want, who you like anymore. Uh, if this thing gets off to a rocky start, because I mean, really, by the skin of their teeth, they're coming out of this season. If this kind of season happens with Aaron Rodgers, like let's say that Aaron Rodgers played quarterback for 14 of these games, and the season looked exactly the same, you know, even just record wise or just offensive struggle wise, which obviously wouldn't have looked this bad. I don't. I think we'd both be sitting here and being like, "Oh yeah, of course they all got fired." So I, I think yeah. by the skin of their teeth, they're going to be back with the Jets, and and we'll see. But they're going to have to get off to a good start, and it's going to start with the draft. And and I'll say this too: I think that we. What year is this with Salah now? Three. Oh, I, I was going to say twenty twenty four. Uh, yeah, it, it is year three, I believe. So so next year will be year four. And I think that as soon as Rodgers got hurt this year, his his job was safe for the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah, probably. And and, and I think that for a lot of a lot of coaches, and let, let's again today's what they call Black Monday, where everyone, all the head coaches get fired. And there's already been a couple. Uh, the Commanders fired Rivera. The um, who else got fired today? Uh, that was the, the one like, right after the game ended. Arthur Smith was it? Arthur Smith of the Falcons got fired. I'm sure there's going to be more um, big, big move on the Giants that we'll, we'll get to in a minute. But um, look, if you're the Jets, I think that you you just have to hope and pray that Aaron Rodgers just can come back and right the ship. And I guess the last question I'll ask you here and just so we could kind of put it out into air. What are the odds that or, or give me a a likelihood that Robert Sala coaches every game next year for the Jets. One to 10, 10 being the most likely one, one being 10, the least like 10 likely. Being most likely 10, most likely. I'm going to say five. And I think that's a fair answer just because I, I really do think if, if things aren't righted immediately, I think he'll be out. So, you know, I, I mean, Hey, maybe Antonio Pierce becomes available. <laughs> I, I doubt it. I don't know if you heard, uh, unless the uh, Devonte Adams, uh, and his relationship kind of falters or, Hey, maybe let's, we talked about Devonte Adams and kind of joked about Antonio Pierce. If, if uh, Devonte Adams or if Antonio Pierce is Devonte Adams guy, let's just trade for both of them. hundred percent. You know, so 100%. Uh, maybe, maybe that's what ends up happening, but yeah, again, we'll be on top of everything jets on the other side of town, the New York giants come away with the win that, uh, I'm sure. Look, I'm not. I'm, we're not Giant fans, and, and again, the Giants find themselves in a very kind of a similar position with the Jets as to, in terms of draft pick and you know disappointing season and quarterback injured, blah blah blah. Giants come up with a win. I'm sure they love to play spoiler. They now sit with the sixth pick in the draft, which could be very very interesting in terms of you know where where quarterbacks land and who trades up for a quarterback and whatnot. Because I don't know if the Giants are going to go quarterback. But I, I think that in terms of yesterday, beating the Eagles in that sense where the starters are out at halftime in a game where the Eagles kind of had a long shot to win the division. But I think if they if they would have felt much better going into the postseason with a win versus the Giants than the the way that the Eagles lost to the Giants yesterday. Yeah, so so the Giants do have the sixth pick. Let's just let's go over the teams ahead of them. Because I just want to see if there, if we said there's going to be four and we don't know who the Giants like, you know, we're not working with the Giants, but let's say there's going to be four premier quarterbacks. Is there an avenue that the Giants, where they stand right now, can end up with a guy that they want? So you have Chicago going, you know, drafting first. You're a big Justin Fields guy. Uh, I historically am not. But I, that's a team that I think everyone agrees. We're not really sure what they're going to do, just like the Giants. You know, we're not entirely sure the Giants take a quarterback. And we're not entirely sure the Bears move on from Justin Fields. It actually looks like they're probably going to stick with him more than it did a couple of weeks ago. Well, so to, to let's let's make this a little little more simple. Well, I know I know what you're going to do. You're going to go down and, and see what who needs a quarterback. I think there there will be a quarterback picked. One is it by the Bears? I don't know. Is it via trade? Very likely. So yeah, hundred percent. They do a quarterback also have the will night be picked. One. Here they will trade back. Uh, if they keep their quarterback and the Giants aren't really a suitor to be trading up eight spots, it doesn't seem at this juncture. Uh, number two, you have Washington. Are they set? I mean, t- I think uh, I don't know if they pick a quarterback, but a quarterback will be picked at two. See, but why would you say that? Because I think that Washington, if they if they really think Sam Howell is 
is the the guy or they or they go a, a veteran route, then they'll just trade back for future draft capital. I think. I think that mm-hmm. they. I don't think that. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna over like realistically. Let's look. If you if you look down at the draft, a team like Atlanta, Atlanta is not gonna trade with Washington if if Washington doesn't want a quarterback, or Washington's not gonna see what Atlanta wants to do. Uh, they could, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like by the time we get closer to the draft, there's going to be a bunch of can't-miss non-quarterback prospects that we never really talked about. Um, well, That's just okay. how it goes every year. Just like even yeah. the quarterback list, we can come up on March and Caleb Williams the third-rated quarterback. Like It happens every year. Sure, but 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 still, I think that if you're just looking at you know what Washington is – I, they're going to be a team that do they get like a Belichick? They do they get a a young coach that wants his quarterback? Is that a Harbaugh spot? I I think is it's yeah. going to be it, there's so many factors into Washington specifically. Well, I guess Washington and New England, I'm, although New England's most likely going to draft a quarterback. I think right New England them. has to at three, just because yeah. like it's your first year, you know, without the Bill Belichick kind of you know, having his hands all over the organization, head coach, GM, I feel like they're in a spot where they're definitely going to draft a quarterback. So let's chalk it up and say there's quarterbacks going one, two, and three. Yes. Arizona at four, they're good with Kyler Murray apparently. And we know the Chargers aren't drafting a quarterback. By the time the Giants get there at six, is there a chance that not all four or five quarterbacks are gone yet? And I think, I think it's getting back to the Cardinals. I think it might, the Cardinals are an interesting spot because all signs seem that Kyler Murray will be back and they like Kyler Murray and not for nothing. Like when, when they're fully healthy, the, the Cardinals, they're not bad at all. Like, no. especially on offense they they have a pretty good offense, a lot of gadget players outside. I think it might be crazy, but I think Arizona getting like a Marvin Harrison would be a very interesting spot there because you get Kyler Murray, the number one uh, weapon in this draft with James Conner, with McBride there, you you immediately have a dynamic offense. Um, interesting spot there for, for the, the Cardinals. And then, again, I don't think – the problem is is not necessarily the teams that are in the draft picks that are in those spots right now, whether they want to trade or not. I, I really think that all of those teams are going to listen to what the the rest of the field is going to say. And I think that there's a lot of – people that are under the Giants and under the Jets that might entertain trading up for one of these quarterbacks. So I think it's almost a it's almost a guarantee that the, I would say the first four picks are, end up being quarterbacks because if we get to the draft and the first three picks, regardless of what team picks a quarterback, I think it's going to number four pick is going to come up and the Cardinals are going to say, all right, who else wants a quarterback? And there's going to be probably six or seven teams that might be interested in doing that. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess all of this is just to say is being at six because I just said I don't really see the Giants as suitors right now to trade up. Now, of course, they could because quarterback is the Coupe de Gras. It's everything. Um, but I just don't think that they're equipped like some other teams are to move up. So is there a chance that because they're at six, they could now have to, even though they don't want to, have to, you know, roll it back with Daniel Jones? Um. So, uh, I mean, I yes, obviously that option is on the table. But I think that realistically for the Giants, what kind of makes the most sense is, again, unless unless you're right, unless you have the opportunity to draft the guy you want or or you get a monster offer that can kind of just kind of backload it a little bit. I think for the Giants, they they should really be entertaining the veteran market, I think. Like, I would take, like, like what are, they already kind of were in talks with Russell Wilson prior to going to the Broncos and whatnot, or, you know, with trades and everything w- would like, would Russell Wilson in a giant uniform and just letting, letting Daniel Jones get healthy while keeping your sixth pick and drafting, you know, let's say a lineman or a defensive end. Would that be of interest to the giants? Like a vet, the veteran route to me, that you sounds pretty appealing Russell Wilson to let the, Daniel Jones get healthy. So like, I mean, you sign Russell Wilson, to, I mean, he's not going to get a 10-year deal. So you sign him for maybe one, two years. You kind of put Daniel Jones in the back burner because he probably won't be healthy till the middle of next season anyway. If Russell Wilson is terrible, you just can throw Daniel Jones in when he's healthy. If Russell Wilson is good, you can just tell Daniel Jones either kick rocks and go get another, go find another job, we'll trade you. 
and then kind of off put your yourself to the next draft or you I don't know you can put Daniel Jones back in and hope that he's better yeah I think the thing with the veteran route for the Giants especially when we talk about Russell Wilson who's kind of we're not really sure who he is right now I mean I think I he mean, had just a nice an example. season he didn't have one last year I like I don't think the Giants can set themselves up to have another lost season whereas if you have a rookie quarterback and you don't play all that well, at least you played with a rookie quarterback for a season and you wouldn't look at the season as being lost. You know, sure. bringing in Russell Wilson and saying, in case he's terrible, you know, halfway through the season, we'll plug in Daniel Jones when we're out of it. I don't know that that's what the Giants are into right now. Sure, but but I think that what, what that would do is it would give you a couple answers. It would It would let you know that, you know, depending on what Daniel Jones is, if you're if you're terrible, do you see some resurgence in Daniel Jones that, can kind of put some I guess put some stock in him and kind of really reinforce the fact that he is uh, your starting quarterback going forward you can get that answer or if he's not you you might just find yourself to end up being in the same spot for a quarterback next year and again I'm not a college football guy so I'm not really I know that this is the quarterback heavy draft but there's always going to be some quarterback that's going to be available right yeah yeah I guess so I mean, it's an interesting spot. The Giants are, the Giants are a very, very interesting team in this draft. Very interesting. And, and yeah, the fact I, that, do you remember when there was talk about like, you know, potentially Kyler Murray to the Giants? I mean, that sounds great right now. Why didn't you pull the trigger on that when you had the chance? Yeah, but and among those talks was a guy like Russell Wilson. So I think that, I think the Giants will will, uh, I they're in a good. I think it's a good thing for the Giants that. They there are multiple avenues that they can go that you can kind of feasibly see like a way for them to be good again. Yeah, yeah. Like the, I think like, that their offseason is going to be more fun and creative than say the Jets offseason. Where with the Jets, we kind of know what they're going to do. Yeah, we know what they're supposed to do, and yeah. we just kind of have to see it unfold. With the Giants, I really don't know. Yeah, it, it again, it'll be it'll be very very fun to watch. Um, the first move of the Giants offseason came today. Kind of a little bit backhanded, I guess a pseudo firing. Um, they they didn't fire Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator, but what they did, and I thought this was very cheese, but what they did was they like fired his like coordinators, his like the, some of his defensive assistants, and then they kind of said, "All right, if you want to stay, stay." And he was like, uh, "Absolutely not, I'm done." So he, uh, Wink Martindale resigned pseudo fired i mean they they fired him without firing him yeah um yeah. so which is again we've we've spoken highly of him um i, I heard jordan ronan say just now when i was listening to the, the michael k show uh to watch anyone that was with dayball in uh buffalo he mentioned leslie frazier if he doesn't get a head coaching job could they seek another one i, I don't know any names but could they seek a, a rex ryan uh someone like that would take a I'd defensive coordinator job me too. I, and honestly, as the defensive coordinator for the Giants with Dayball, let's just say they, they end up taking a quarterback. That could be a fun team to watch. Yeah, yeah. You know, so uh, again, I think that the Giants are rough season, obviously got off to a bad start with an absolute embarrassment on opening night. Uh, and then the Daniel Jones injury. Again, like the Jets, though, you're happy you came out of this season with you know you have your major quarterback injury that obviously set you back but Barkley ending the season healthy Dexter Lawrence ending the season healthy I mean just there's a lot of guys that this Giants team have has that I think will be pieces going forward and I think that the fact that they're for the most part healthy is a is a good thing and always a good way to end the season yeah, so you mentioned Saquon Barkley we haven't even touched on him he's a guy that you know, we're going to have to kind of go through the whole rigmarole again this offseason with to just see if he, if the Giants are going to retain. Yeah, and I think we spoke about it before. I think they definitely should. And I think that especially if especially if they, they go the route of a younger quarterback or I honestly think about think about just like offensive strategy. I like some of their pieces. I really do. I think Jalen Hyatt is good. I think Bellinger is good. I think Darren Waller is just a product of He's a good piece on a good offense, on a on a struggling offense where you have to lean on him. Not not a good piece, but uh, you get it. You get a real threat on the outside with the Giants. Uh, could they be a Marvin Harrison suitor? Uh, you can talk me into this Giants offense being fun. I'll say next year. Yeah, they're 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 sort of getting to the you know they're sort of building a young core in the way the Jets have, and then you know you want to bring in a Marvin Harrison Jr. That that'll kind of that almost completes the trifecta. 
Yeah, that would be. And again, if they find themselves in a situation like that, where you know, would that be if the Giants draft Marvin Harrison, right? They they take him with the sixth pick. Is that almost kind of tripling down on Daniel Jones? Yeah, that yeah it is. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that, and and honestly, the what might be interesting to talk about here, and again, the the health of Daniel Jones will definitely be um, something to obviously monitor this offseason, but. I, it's going to be interesting to see the 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 Jets and the Giants in very similar free agent markets in terms of like veteran backup quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to at another time sort of, you know, maybe when this all sort of marinates in, maybe when the season's over, we really sort of look at the for both teams, for the Giants and the Jets, we kind of go down available veteran quarterbacks and fits because, you know, if the Giants don't draft one, they need one. And the Jets need one no matter what, as we saw this yeah. season. Yeah, and they already they already said, I believe, um, I forget who who they said, who, who quoted this and who actually said this, but uh, I saw a report today that the Jets already said that they'll be in the market for a veteran quarterback this offseason, which only took them, um, how many weeks is this? 18 weeks? <laughs> yeah, I mean, to realize you want to count, like, uh, training camp, all that. I mean, yeah, we're, we're talking, like, half a year. Yeah, finally, you know I they, they realize get one of those quarterbacks. Yeah, that's a good idea. You know, you know, if someone gets hurt, maybe we should just have someone else there. Yeah, yeah. that's like that. You know, that clip of LeBron when he's in the shop and he's talking about like he, he like made up the idea of a deluxe album. Yes. He's like, oh, my yeah, God. Him two, yeah, I told him. Two more. I was like, I was like, why don't you just add some other songs and then we call it a deluxe album? Yeah, I yeah. told him that. See, I'm going to give him two more. He said, <laughs> yeah. "That's what the that's what the Jets need. Uh, LeBron, they, they need LeBron. It's like it's it's kind of like his his thing now. He's I look. We can talk about we can do a whole podcast about how much I love yeah. LeBron. And, <laughs> Another barbershop favorite of mine is the uh, some guy said. You know, I, I had a coach so he's told me. You know, uh, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. LeBron goes, that's my favorite saying. <laughs> yeah, he's LeBron's LeBron's the best. He's like the NBA dad." Yeah, yeah, and it's so funny. Um, but we'll we'll talk about basketball a little bit later. Um, anything else on the Giants or Jets before we get into some like pick segment stuff? Because we are neck and neck. No, I mean I feel sorry for you and all of our listeners that we had to endure what we did on both sides. Uh, we'll stick together, Jets fans and Giants fans, and I mean all, all we could do is hope for a better result. Uh, that's and for for a long time now, both teams have been hoping for better results. So hopefully. Yeah. Maybe next year for both teams. Um, so for the picks, we are so neck and neck. I I come up with a two a two and zero week to your zero and two week. I believe. Did you get Did you get anything right this week? No, you didn't. You had the Eagles, <laughs> and, and I, I promise I'm just kind of I'm just looking <laughs> the back right now. You had the Eagles and the Bears, both losses. I took the Saints and the Packers, uh, both wins. So that puts us at. I am 23 and 14 with 36 points. You are 22, 13 and one with 37 points. So one point ahead of me on the regular season, but now we have the playoffs. So to update everyone listening in terms of how we're going to do the playoffs, we are going to pick at least two games, same format, one point, two point, or, I mean, I guess we could do an upset as well. You know, we, we could just throw that in there. Just keep it the same, but for the playoffs, and it's going to spice it up a little bit, two games a week. But now if you get the pick wrong, you will be deducted those points. So uh, adds a little bit more import into the games, which again, much like them on the field, the playoffs are much more important in the regular season. So for us, the pick playoffs are also uh, just as uh, doubly important to us as well. Um, So hopefully that adds a little intrigue. And then for the Super Bowl, we're just whatever the point totals may be. We are going to do a final Jeopardy style where we will uh, submit our picks to a third party and give a point total uh, where we will be risking to uh, ultimately gain. And the winner will TBD. We haven't decided yet, but we, we've been spitballing. So uh, yeah, hopefully thank you for laying that out. Thing. And, uh, you know, good on you for marching your way back. You know, I mean, this wasn't my best week. I kind of had a cheeky Bears pick, not the sharpest pick ever, but trying to have a little fun. Now, with, with the risk on the line, with the point deductions, you're not going to see another week from me like that. Wow. Okay. So is, that a, is that a threat? No, it's just a guarantee. Like, Dak Prescott, oh. I'm not going to throw 10 picks. He threw nine. This is a guarantee. <laughs> Got it. So, 
neck and neck. You're you're you have a point lead on me, so don't blow it. Is what I'll say. That's my uh, that's my um, two cents to you. Two cents. But um, we we already kind of spoke about the draft. That was kind of that was kind of next in the agenda. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about the the draft order? I mean, we kind of just we did in terms of the Giants talk, but anything else you want to throw in in terms of you know teams that you you're looking at might be sneaky teams that want to trade up or something. Uh, I mean, really, the only thing I want to throw in is I wish I was a Bears fan. Um, a team that nice. interested me because it's not really a team I even thought about in terms of the quarterback market because, you know, let's be honest, that's always the most intriguing part of the draft. It's the names we know. It's sort of, uh, you know, the, the least crap shoot it gets, I guess, in terms of position. The Tennessee Titans at seven. Yeah. If you're the Titans, do you think that maybe you saw enough, maybe, from Will Levis? I think that they're in a spot where, you know, to really get a quarterback, they're probably going to have to to risk some capital, some future capital. And at that point, you know, you're going to lose Derrick Henry, most likely. Uh, you're going to – Mike Vrabel is most likely still going to be there. And if he's not, he better be the defensive coordinator for the Giants, just throwing that out there. Um, but I, Vrabel will most likely be back. It'll probably be a new-look team. I'll be interested to see what they do with some of their older pieces, like uh, Derrick Henry – like a DeAndre Hopkins, uh, to name just to name a few on the off- offensive side of the ball, um, they're they are an interesting team for sure. If I had to bet, I think they give Will Levis kind of a a full season of prove it. Yeah, I guess I think so too. It is interesting to me that Derrick Henry's already sort of made his rounds and said goodbye. Yeah, I thought that was weird too. Did you think that was weird after the game, like him, like? Saying yeah, Kelly fans pretty just, much. I out. mean, I guess that they already had their in-house conversations and stuff, but man, that's going to be as hot as a running back can be on the market. Uh, that's going to be Derrick Henry. He's a Raven. Let's be honest. Uh, I can't. He. I'm telling you, he's a Raven. Like he is the he is the quintessential Ravens signing this offseason. I think. I can't. And you, you get him in a backfield with Lamar, and that's an issue, a real issue. Even I don't care what his age is. He's Derrick Henry. Yeah, all right. So they're the Dodgers now. Yeah. Well, we'll see. So, we'll see. I don't know if you did, but did you have any other draft talk you wanted to get to? Um, no. We kind of we kind of went over the top half of the draft. The only thing I'll say, and we're not going to talk about obviously the national championship tonight. Uh, we're not college football guys, but I really I understand he's a little bit older than other quarterbacks. I understand that he's had some injury history. I I think if you get Penix, the Washington quarterback behind a veteran for a year, learn the NFL, get him in a good system. I think he's going to be great. And he, he, is, he is an amazing arm. I just wanted to highlight that for this. Hopefully this episode gets out. I'll get this episode out tonight. But, uh, you know, I I just watch him and I'm very, very enamored by the fact that he he's projected to go either late first or early second. And I think whatever team picks him, they're gonna they're gonna have a great piece in, in Penix, and not to say that he's he's the best in the draft, but uh, you know, let's just theoretically say the um, the Seahawks take him at sixteen. Let's just say for argument's sake, that's a great spot for him. Great spot. Yeah, I I was listening to Paul Feinbaum today saying mm-hmm. that you know they, a lot of executives in the NFL don't really think that he's a guy who's going to translate. Not yeah, that I really, I'm, I don't have an opinion. That's just kind of my, that's what I yeah, heard. Yeah, I, I heard that as well. That was on, uh, what, Rothenberg? Perhaps. Yeah, I think I think it I think it was on, he was on Rothenberg this morning talking about the, the panics and the national championship. But yeah, I, I think that he's going to be, look, I, I think that he, he'll, he's a little bit older. He think he's like 24 or so, or, you know, not, you know, older per se. But could that be a guy that like, you know, intrigues an older coach like a like a Belichick. Like, does that does that does that sway a team into into their coaching decision? Does a guy like Harbaugh, who will be playing against Penix tonight, does Harbaugh come into the NFL and say, "I want that guy with me"? Sort of deal. Who knows? I think there's a lot of storylines that could follow that. But as for the NFL draft, um, kind of all I yeah, want that, to that say is about a, that. The, really, the one thing I'll. I'll... I'll say about college football today is I really would like to see Harbaugh back in the NFL. I think he sort of achieved what he wanted to in Michigan. I mean, he, he prepared them. He brought, I mean, they're in the national championship tonight for God's sake. So he, he's kind of done all that he could. 
you know, I, I know the portal is great. I know people love to coach college football, but I'd like to see Harbaugh back in the NFL. I have uh, I, I have two more pieces I want to leave you with, and you want to take that into baseball? Yeah, go ahead. All right, so one is just a football thing. I don't have the Giants one on me, just the Jets. In terms of 2024 opponents, they will be facing the AFC South and the NFC West, which is tough. And for some reason, they play Denver again. Um, it seems like it's every year. I don't have the Giants one on me, but I do have a uh, Mark Feinsand uh, report. The Mets are actively trying to trade for more starting pitching. Interesting. So that, that'll lead us right into baseball. And we I guess we could start with the Mets. Uh, they sign Harrison Bader, another Yankee retread. I'll, I'll be nice. I like Bader. I think he's great. I think he's uh, – I watch him in the Yankees, and I, I obviously loved his defense. He was huge. Albeit in a, in a losing effort, but huge in the postseason, he was like their their main source of power. He he has a little bit of pop in his bat. Will be interesting to see how that translates in City Field. Um, but I think that Bader uh, will be a good signing. I think that get ultimately upgrades your outfield defense, and he's just a. I just think he's a good baseball player, and, and I think it's a good signing for the Mets. Will he finish the season on the Mets? I don't know. Uh, he's just a one-year deal, so if the Mets are not good by the trade deadline, he will definitely be a uh, hot commodity among you know playoff teams that are just looking to add a, either a fourth outfielder or an injury fill-in. Um, but on, on paper, I think it's a good signing for the Mets. Yeah, I, I do too, just because I'm also just a fan of his game. I think he's you know an energetic player. He's kind of electric. He plays great defense. He's an athlete. He's fun, all those things. I just sort of feel like, okay, so did you bring him in to be your starting center fielder this year? I don't really know. I mean, you have Brandon Nimmo, who's your $162 million man. Uh, he's probably one of the best players on your team. I mean, is Harrison Bader here to play a corner outfield position? Is he here to be like a, you know, a pinch runner, a late game defensive replacement kind of guy? I really don't know what he he's slated to to be uh, with the Mets this year. But all in all, I mean, yeah, he's a good baseball player. I like him. He, but at the end of the day, we are talking about, you know, a 240 bat, 10 home run kind of guy. Um, so I am going to be interested to see what they do in the outfield uh, and introduce the the other signing, please. Yeah. So uh, the other signing starting pitching, like you said, they're they're still in the market for starting pitching. But um, they signed Sean Manaya, who was previously with the Padres. Uh, not really an impressive season in 2023, but. Uh, 31 years old, lefty, had a 4-4 ERA last year. He's had some good success in the majors in the past. Um, they get a two-year deal out of him. Again, another guy that in the beginning, yeah, looks like just a solid piece to add to the bullpen, just a solid piece to even if you wanted to start a couple games. But he can be a tweener guy. Um, I, I think Manai is a good signing and nothing to really write home about, but he has starting experience. He's got uh, relief experience. Will he be a back-end kind of closure guy or a back-end um, rotation guy, excuse me, possibly? But, you know, career 4-1 four, four ERA, he's he's got, you know, decent splits, uh, kind of whatever. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, that, and that's kind of why I was glad to see that report because I'm going to give you the Mets rotation and pitching depth and just tell me if the season started tomorrow, how how outstanding you feel about this. Uh, Kode Senga would be your ace right now. Uh, Quintana, Shalmanaya, Luis Severino, Hauser. That's probably your your slated uh, starting rotation. And then the usual suspects, Joey Lucchese, Tyler McGill, David Peterson, Jose Budo. Uh, yeah, pitching better be on the way because they're hurting for pitching right now. Yeah, and I think that they it's if you go into the season with that, obviously it'll it'll be it will be getting late early for the Mets. Um, what I was my question about the Mets is, you know, I don't know if this is just the Yankee fan in me in me, you know, thinking about how to build a team. But if you're not able to really get starting pitching or you don't want to kind of give up a lot of assets for a, a big name starting pitcher or use just money to sign like a Jordan Montgomery or something like that. Why not just bolster your bullpen, right? I, I thought that the Mets should definitely, again, Edwin Diaz will be back this year. It, it'll, it showed point blank what like that meant for not having him. So, I mean, why not? Why aren't the Mets involved in in you know deals for a Josh Hader or a late uh you know a late bullpen guy like uh, you know Emmanuel Classe or I feel like the Mets should be bolstering their bullpen 
if they're they're kind of unsure about what to do in their rotation. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not taking that as a sign that the Mets think the bullpen's fine. Uh, but, you know, it, it's kind of getting late in free agency. I am a little bit confused about the direction because we just went over the rotation. There's not a lot of pitchers left. There's a few, of course. Uh, we haven't heard really anything about relief arms. And there's still guys in the market I see every day linked to teams where, you know, Jorge uh, Soler, for one. Why aren't the Mets in on a guy like that? You know, so if we are talking about a team that, like, and you're right, doesn't really want to deal assets, especially because they just sort of started to rebuild the farm. And I totally understand that. And maybe that's why this season is, you know, more or less a punt year, right? Maybe that's why. Uh, because, you know, they kind of want to take care of that first. And, and they've been preaching to us, we want to be the Dodgers and all this, whatever. Maybe that's why. I, I, I just, I don't feel like the Mets are saying, oh, Diaz is back, we're good. That, that fills a huge hole, you know. I, I just think there's a reason that they're not spending the way they used to. And they told us they wouldn't. But even guys that aren't of the elk of, like, a 39-year-old Verlander and Scherzer, you know, where, where they're going to make a ton of money over a short period of time. It is weird that they're not opening the checkbook to bring in guys that are going to bridge the gap for a while. Yeah, I think that for sure the it, it's it's a weird spot that the Mets are in. I think that they find themselves in this in this spot where again, I keep harping on this, I keep saying it and it's just going to it's going to ring true throughout the season. It's going to be interesting to see how competitive the Mets are this year. And I think that that'll dictate, you know, if they find themselves, you know, potluck and they're just really good, maybe then that, that means that they make some interesting moves at the deadline that can sure up their future. Or maybe that means that, you know, if they're, if they're really bad, I think that they're kind of setting them up where these short-term deals where you flip these guys for future prospects when teams are, you know, need other people and you'll find yourself in a good spot going forward. So I think it's, as you know, competitive wise, I'm very low on the Mets personally right now, but I, I, I understand the, the place that they're in and it's, it's tough as a fan, but I, I think that they're only a couple moves away realistically from kind of being that competitive Mets team again. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, so a panis advice to you, all of you, you know, you, you might like Harrison Bader. Don't buy a Jersey. Yeah, do not definitely don't buy a jersey. Don't and buy a jersey. They're uh they're not Yankee jerseys either, so um it, yeah, it'll definitely no no name. There you go, you got it. So um as for the Yankees, kind of quiet right now. There there were some reports that they were in on Snell and Garrett Cole kind of backed up uh the fact that you know he, he would love to bring a pitcher like Snell in, and it kind of gave his his you know two thumbs up to it. I think the Yankees will definitely make a move for a pitcher. There's been very little reporting in terms of, you know, talks that they've had uh, the whole Marcus Stroman thing where Stroman now is kind of scrubbing his Twitter of any anti Yankee stuff and, you know, and kind begging of like a dog, essentially begging to be a Yankee, which I don't know if that means his his free agency is dried up a little bit. But um, I, the Yankees will make a move for a starting pitcher. I, I would I would bet a lot of money that they would. Yeah, I would too. And I, I, I'm from the Mets end, I would really like to see Jordan Montgomery back. I don't know if we talked about this before. Is there a reason the Yankees aren't looking to go that avenue? Well, it's it's interesting because they, uh, as much as I I would love that to to come back, love Montgomery to come back, they kind of burned their bridge with, with all the Cashman comments and saying that you know oh, he wouldn't start as like a he, he wouldn't be like a rotation piece for us and kind of. All, all that weird stuff when they traded him for Bader, ironically. And I, I don't know. I think it's – if you're Jordan Montgomery, you pitch so well with the Rangers. You know, I'm not saying go back, but, like, go to a team where you can be their ace, you know. Or, you know, go even if it's like a go get your money and, and, you know, maybe go end up on a team that's – like, I would love to see him on, like, the Diamondbacks where you could be, like, right behind Zach Allen or a, a team like – um I don't know, just any, any team where – you know, maybe they're just like one good starting pitcher away from really, really being a, a serious team. And maybe that's the Yankees, but I don't know. I, I think that if I'm if I'm Jordan Montgomery, I wouldn't go back to the Yankees after the way they kind of spoke about me afterwards. I don't know. It leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I mean, I guess, but like the Wilpon said, David Wright was a bum, and we never had any issues there. But there, but <laughs> you never had any issues in quotes. But ultimately, the that never really worked out. So. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm saying what I'm trying to say is like, 
I feel like if you're if you're in a position where that you know like your your team is speaking like lowly of you, you're not going to go back to that team. Yeah, you're no, not going to. I just wanted to. Anytime I can sort of slander the Wolfpack or really just the Mets in general, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. So or just bring up David Wright. Yes. Any 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 opportunity that we had it we haven't uh, had an episode with a David Wright comment in a while, so that fills that quota. Um, anything else on the Yankees or Mets? Just want we definitely want to mention the Knicks uh, real quick before we before we close out. Nothing else on the Yankees. No. All right. So for the Knicks, uh, this OG Ananobi trade is proving to be uh, an absolute win win for both sides. R.J. Barrett drops thirty six points last night um, in a in a blowout against the Warriors. He seems to have, I don't want to say, you know, reach some untapped potential, but uh, I, I think that, you know, we, uh, if you're, if you're looking at this from a Knicks perspective, he, you got, you got a guy that is, that is much better suited for this team than RJ Barrett or quickly were. And look, it's going to sting to, to really see, uh, you know, how well they might play in Toronto, but look, man, it, it wasn't working here. It was not working for the Knicks. Uh, for RJ and quickly. And uh, I think for it, there couldn't have been a better start for both sides. And you just might have to chalk it up to being a win-win for both teams. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, and just like you said, I mean, I, I think knee jerk to the trade. And I don't know if you agree. Um, I think knee jerk was sort of like, oh man, really? Because to me, those two guys, RJ and quickly, when we always talked about like the Knicks eventually, finally being able to bring in the next superstar, those two guys always felt like they'll be part of the deal. So I think that notification comes through. You see it's for OG Ananobi and you go, oh man, really? But like you said, I mean, it couldn't have been a worse place, worse time for Emmanuel quickly. And I hope he becomes a star in the league. And I mean, really, what? how much longer were you going to wait on RJ Barrett? So you made a move that made your team better in the now. Uh, I think it's a win for the Raptors as well. And I, I think it's really important and just a really nice thing that it's seemingly paying dividends immediately. Um, so we don't have to come on here and, and, you know, pick it all apart or listen to angry Nick fans. I, I think it's all worked out really nicely. Yeah. And, and a, a great account to follow um, a good reporter to follow Tommy beer. And, and what he's been doing is since, since OG has come to the Knicks, he, he covers the Knicks for um, I'm pulling up his Twitter right now. It just, it, he's kind of, on his own, it looks like, you know, it just says Tommy Beer, Substack.com. But regardless, he may, I think he worked for the Post at one point. But regardless, what he's been doing is every game that OG Ananobi's been in for the Knicks, he's been kind of looking in depth into, you know, when he's covering people, how well he's performing on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, just as a, a one example, when they beat the, the 76ers the other night, Tyrese Maxey, who's their second best scorer, obviously behind Embiid. Tyrese Maxey scored five points on two of eight shooting when OG Ananobi uh, was covering him. And then when OG Ananobi was not covering him and it was any other Nick, uh, Tyrese Maxey scored 22 points and was seven for 12 uh, defended by any other Knicks player. So, and this has rung true for every single game that OG Ananobi has been a Nick. They're putting him on the best player on the other team. And it is wildly working. They did the same thing to Anthony Edwards. Did the same thing to DeMar DeRozan. And will continue to probably be the, the way that the Knicks just play defense. And that's something that R.J. Barrett was never going to be able to do, ever. How excited was Thibodeau about this trade? Oh, through the moon, I think. Yeah. I think that he obviously Thibs didn't draft quickly or R.J. Barrett. But those guys, I mean, just, just, from, the, just from knowing basketball – those are two offensive centric guys that are are looking to RJ needed the ball in his hand more quickly was great bench piece, great little energy piece with, with uh, off the bench, but those guys weren't playing a lick of defense. And now you get a guy that is now your who steps in and is now your best defender. That's, I mean, he had to be just loving that. Is it going to so, hurt when, uh, when Drake and RJ post a picture on Instagram? I, I thought there, I think he already did post, quickly or something like that i i i I can't be making that up i think he reposted like a quickly highlight or something i did see something like that but yeah yeah if he does if there's a picture of rj quickly and drake it will it will surely hurt so um uh, but all positives for the knicks 
the next game, the next play will be on Tuesday, I believe. Yep, Tuesday they are home against the Trailblazers. Um, they also Thursday they'll play against the Mavericks. That's going to be a good game. Tough schedule coming up for the Knicks after the Blazers. They get the Mavericks, Grizzlies, and then the Magic. Uh, three good teams uh, across the league. So definitely would be some tough matchups for the Knicks going forward. Um, on the other side of town, real quick before we get out of here, the Nets. Uh, you know, the biggest story for the Nets this year has been uh, the, what recently just came out where they, uh, it, to put it simply, they didn't rest their guys, but they only played their guys in the first quarter, which uh, which was like a couple weeks ago. They got fined for it. Everyone was kind of uh, ripping on them for doing so. They're they're kind of in a, in a tailspin right now where, you know, they're they're sitting right now in the ninth uh, ninth place in the Eastern Conference and Everything I listen to and all the all reporters that talk about the Nets say that they're just gearing up to tr to to trade pieces. And I guess the silver lining is they just have a lot of guys like a Spencer Dinwiddie, like, a, uh, you know, not necessarily saying they're going to trade Mikhail Bridges, but like a Cam Thomas. They just have a bunch of guys that these real competitors will probably be intrigued by. So we could see some very interesting, uh, you know, future moves here upcoming for the Nets. I think they they're a few bad losses away from just kind of calling the season what it is and ultimately being, you know, small piece movers at the deadline. But uh, it's unfortunate what's happened. Obviously, you know, the Ben Simmons injury obviously sets them back uh, that getting off that contract will be a storyline to follow. But I, I think the, the, the Nets should be and most likely will be active at the deadline for sure. Yeah. I mean, in so, terms of just the benching people, it's not even something I can get upset about anymore. It's just kind of, it's something that's going to happen in this league until the NBA can find an, you know, a legitimately an effective way to combat it. Um, you know, nothing else for me on that end. I assume the next time I talk to you will be Friday, uh, a mostly football centric episode. Yep. Um, I'm going to get to work on my picks right now. Hopefully I have them ready by then. Uh, do you have just like a game you're looking forward to the most? And this is this will be the last thing I ask you here. Because honestly, I mean, I know it's like the super wild card weekend now. There's a lot of good games here. Yeah, I mean, you're right. There, There's definitely a lot of good games. Um, all, right off the top of my head, I think there, the two storyline games are Tyreek Hill heading back Stafford. to Kansas City. Obviously, that's one. And then two is... Stafford heading back to Detroit to try and spoil I think that's huge. Like I think the Stafford thing oh, is yeah. gonna be a big deal. Oh, oh yeah. And I think that he's gonna have a chip on his shoulder. That's gonna be a great Sunday night nightcap. Uh well, I it is a Sunday night nightcap, but the Monday game, Eagles Bucks, uh being the lone game on Monday. But I I I like watching the Rams. You and I have spoke up the Rams all year. I, I think it's we're not surprised to see them here, but I would love to see their, you know, not for nothing. I'd love to see Stafford get a win as as an underdog in Detroit. I think that would be a very good storyline. Yeah, I think so too. But I I think it's like a tough. I think it's a tough spot for Stafford because he you know oh, there was yeah. no ill will when he left or anything like that. I think he's got a lot of love for Detroit. That's gonna that's got to be a tough game to to play in. Yeah, I mean he's not he's not sour towards them, but I think that you know anytime in, in somewhere in Matt Stafford's mind you're the idea of playing your previous team and, and spoiling your previous team with your current team oh, yeah. winning yep. has got to kind of enamor him a little bit. Yeah, every athlete I think is wired that way. Yeah, exactly. So, but again, I think all of these games are, are very, very interesting matchups with very, very interesting storylines. I mean, we didn't even talk about the bills and the dolphins last night. Um, what a game that was, but yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back Friday. We'll have all our picks. Uh, we'll go over each and every one of these games. We're, we're not going to do it. Obviously, no locals in the playoffs. So uh, we'll be able to break down our thoughts on each of these games. We'll obviously be following, you know, uh, the Knicks and the Nets. Uh, we'll be talking some some hockey sometime soon as well as uh, the Rangers and Devils are in the thick of it right now. Um, but, yeah, a, a lot to get to. We're going to go two episodes this week, probably probably through uh, maybe through the remainder of the playoffs. We'll, we'll, we'll recap games and then preview games. But, a very fluid schedule on, on the Apanis front. So uh, any anything else from you before we get out of here? Nope. Cool. All right. Well, go Jets. Good one. Good one today. Yeah. Go Jets offseason. Here we are again. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got Washington tonight in the national championship. Uh, you know, 
Obviously going to be watching Penix for future reasons. Could be Harbaugh's last game, like we mentioned. So definitely some interesting NFL storylines to watch in the national championship tonight. If nothing else, thank you all for listening and peace out.